Hello and welcome to Hamsa Holistic Healing and Ayurveda Podcast. I'm your host, Sherry, and it is my deepest desire to journey with you down the path to better health, mind, body, and spirit through the practice of mindfulness and spiritual awakening. Here in this sacred space, we will examine how the practice of higher consciousness and self-awareness can actually lead us to an optimal state of physical and spiritual health. We will talk about the various ways to increase our awareness and support one another along this beautiful journey. Thank you for being here and welcome. Hello and welcome back to Hamsa Holistic Healing and Ayurveda Podcast. I'm Sherry and I am your host and I welcome you back to part two of the tarot card reading and understanding episode where we really start to look at the tarot cards and the philosophy and energy behind them and really appreciate how they help in healings and interpreting people's, maybe their subconscious mind or things that are lying underneath that they're not really sure what's bothering them. And the cards can be really helpful in enlightenment and helping someone get through that bit of block that they may have. Plus the tarot are just full of history. They've been around forever. They're really, really fascinating and they're really accurate. So it's, it's really a, a gift from the divine to be able to have a tool to help us assist people and ourselves in along the journey, the hero's journey. So in part one, we really spoke about the major arcanas and the symbolism and the meanings behind the major arcanas. And we hit also on the court cards and the minor arcanas. We are going to talk a little bit more on the minor arcanas today, but I wanted to start with talking about the symbolism in the cards. I've been to some classes where, you know, you pass around a tarot card and you study it and you really look at it. The meaning that is in the card, the hidden meanings almost. They're not really hidden when you know what you're looking for, but in more of a analytical kind of way, looking at them and really seeing the message that is trying to be conveyed through the symbolism in the card. That's part of being a really good tarot card reader is to know what the symbolism means in each card. It tells you a lot about what's going on. And then it's not just a card with a page of pentacles on it, say, you know, a, a young person standing there holding this round object that looks like a coin. If you really know the hidden symbolism and meaning behind what's on the card, it really deepens your ability to be a really good tarot card reader. So I just want to go through the symbols that are usually apparent on each card, the major arcanas and the minors, and what they represent. So water, you're going to see water a lot in the tarot cards. And water symbolizes the unconscious mind. Whenever you see water and the placement of the water and the placement of the person, the character in the water, um, it's telling you something about what's going on in that card. So water symbolizes the unconscious mind. A figure eight 
on the card symbolizes integration and renewal, infinite possibility. So infinity would be forever, um, a symbol in the figure eight card, which you'll see in the magician card for sure. The serpent. Sometimes you'll see a serpent in a card and this represents the vibration of rising into physical form. Um, it represents Kundalini energy, the rise of consciousness. So whenever you see a serpent and along with the other cards in the reading, in the spread, you can kind of figure out that the person might be starting to become more aware of a spiritual rising inside of themselves. Alchemy. Whenever you see something changing, like in the, the temperance card, it's a reminder of the nature of the consciousness, the progression to rise up, and that something's in the works. And so alchemy can be like a square and a triangle shapes that symbolizes alchemy and alchemical change is going on. A pentagram can represent banishment of forces in the unconscious mind. And if it's inverted, it's unbalanced forces. That would be the pentagram. Cups, cups represent receptivity of the conscious and the unconscious mind. They can represent personality and emotions. Emotions are represented in the cups. You'll see animals sometimes in a card. You'll see the lion, a dog uh, in the fool card, the first, the zero card. And so animals, they usually represent our drives and urges. So our primal drives and urges. And then you have to look at what that animal's doing in the card. A rose symbolizes human will, desire, and the five senses. Whenever you see a rose. The white lily represents purity of spirit. Uh, you'll see sunflowers. I think sunflowers are in the... Sunflowers are in the sun card, I believe. And that represents our solar energy and awareness. So awakening that fire, that awakening illumination inside of us is represented by the sunflowers. Fire, you'll see an actual fire in some of the cards, and that represents knowledge. A magic wand, which you'll see in the magician card for sure, uh, represents willpower and desire to create. A laurel wreath, you'll see a laurel wreath sometimes on the character's heads, or sometimes it's on top of a wand. And that represents victory, internal or external. You're either heading toward victory or you've been victorious recently. The laurel wreath represents victory. Grapes or pomegranates represent fertility. You're going to see the pomegranates on the empress's dress, for sure, I know that. And you'll see grapes through, scattered throughout the tarot deck, and they'll be like in the background a lot. So that manifests, that's an indication of fertility, manifestation, ready to bear fruit. Something is manifesting. Uh, stars, you'll see stars in some of them. Again, on the Empress card, she has 12 stars. And that represents the essence of being, life, and energy. And in that particular card, the Empress, where she has the 12, it's the zodiac. Um, it represents the zodiac signs. When you see an angel, because you will see there are many angels in the tarot deck, that represents inner self in action or a messenger or a message might be on the way because angels, of course, are heavenly messengers. You'll see cross. You'll see a cross in the um, in several of the cards. Uh, Hierophant, definitely. 
And the cross represents a crossroads, a decision-making event. And also it represents the four elements. The color black indicates ignorance, um, not seeing the right steps. So be very uh, mindful of the color black. It represents ignorance. Red, the color red represents passion and action. White represents purity. Blue represents memory or the unconscious mind. And yellow represents spirit and connection to the divine. Now let's talk about the energy that's expressed in each one of the suits. So we're going to start with the swords. The swords are a masculine energy suit and they represent intellect, the intellectual mind, rational thinking, rational decision-making, the process of thought, um, sometimes plaguing thoughts. I keep ruminating over and over again. And it depends. You have to really look at what the swords are doing in the card. So the two of swords would represent you're bound by a decision-making that you're just not sure which way to go. The three of swords is the bleeding heart card. And it's like you're trapped by negative thought process, bound by emotion, or it can symbolize actual heartbreak um, that someone has stabbed you in the heart. The four of swords is stagnation of thoughts. So this thought process is kind of sucking the life out of us. We need to move in a different direction. The, so the five of swords um, is not playing nice with others. So you might feel like you're trying to get away with something or you're doing something that's not really ethical or the person who you're, who's the topic of the conversation or the topic of the spread is maybe you're feeling like they're not doing the right thing. The sixth of swords is unknown territory. So it's a sign of a decision that is being made that might not always be the best decision. The seven of swords um, is getting away with something. So you feel like you've done something and you're trying to get away with it, um, but it's kind of haunting you. The eight of swords is a prison of our own making. So it's a picture of a woman and she's bound at her feet and she's blindfolded and bound around her chest and she looks like she's a prisoner. Um, she's surrounded by swords except for in the front and so she can walk away anytime. But that card, Eight of Swords, represents you are imprisoning yourself with your own thoughts. You're free to walk anytime you want. The Nine of Swords is the, the card of nightmares. So overwhelmed with ignorance, not seeing things correctly, um, harness your own energy. You have to make a new choice. You're just, you're beating, beating a dead horse there. The Ten of Swords is there's no life left at all. After a complete cycle, this situation is dead, 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 and there's no more life in it. You need to, you know, forget about it and move in a different direction. The Page of Swords is thoughtful optimism. So it's a new way of thinking and beginning. The pages always mean a new way of thinking, something new. The Knight of Swords is unbridled ration, rationality. So you're going like full Monty in a direction, full throttle. And the knight in any suit is always like unbridled energy and passion towards something. The queen of swords is thoughtful thinking and she's in command of her rational thought and decision making. And the king of swords is the master of rational thought, command of truth and rational decision making as well, but it's more masculine um, energy. Now we'll move to the wands suit 
And the wands is also a masculine energy suit. So the swords and the wands are masculine energy. The ace is divine inspiration to manifest something. The two of wands is the whole world is like in your hands. It's like active dynamism and in, you're in the process of creating something. The three of wands is actively, you're seeking new vistas and you sense wonderment in conversation. Um, you have a passion about the project. You're looking out and you see infinite possibility. The four of wands is the outer manifestation of perfect harmony and incredible balance. And the five of wands is kind of like chaos and lack of direction, disorganization, um, and disorganized thinking and actions. You're, you're, you're just moving all over and you have no real end point. The six of wands is victory. And you'll see that laurel wreath in that card. Balanced energy and you're just beginning on this beautiful victorious journey. Um, the seven of wands is unintended consequences. Are the decisions going in the wrong direction? And you have to start asking yourself, is this what I'm trying to manifest serving me or not? The eight of wands is focused direction, organized manifestation. So you're not sure exactly where things are going, but you are definitely putting all of your energy into manifesting whatever this idea is. The nine of wands is overwhelming effort. You've just worked so much on this project, trying to manifest something, but it's just not going the way you had anticipated. The 10 of wands is a very heavy workload. So it's your workaholic. It's kind of the end of a cycle. And then you turn around and you're like, okay, I, I did all that work. And now what? The page of wands is optimistic opportunities, a new idea, excited about manifesting something. Again, the page is always new energy towards something. The knight of wands is energy in the wrong direction. So he's got a passion. I mean, he's like full throttle going in the direction. The only thing is he's going in the wrong direction. So he needs to rethink, recalibrate. The queen of wands is natural manifestation, light of awareness, mastery of the psychological ideas, it's kind of like a woman trying to manifest in a man's world. And the king of wands is mastery of manifestation completely. He's very comfortable in the masculine suit of wands, the king. And so, so that's the brief explanation of the wands. Next, we have the pentacles suit. And pentacles, now we're in feminine energy. And they represent earth. The ace of pentacles is divine abundance, goddess reaching out and offering us something rich and something on the horizon that's beautiful. The two of pentacles is infinite possibilities, but ideas are not clear at that point. And so you're trying to make a decision, kind of weighing it out, like, mm, I'm not sure which one. The three of pentacles is building of your own spiritual house. So it's it provides us with the riches of spiritual ideas, and then we're building on that. The four of pentacles is kind of hoarding your riches, not sharing, not being generous. You're being stingy with your blessings or your actual finances. You're kind of being ungrateful. You're not being appreciative. The five of pentacles is facing or overcoming poverty. Physically and emotionally, spiritually, it doesn't always have to be about money. It can be about spirit and blessings. But happiness is 
in the possibility. The six of pentacles is charitable generosity. So we've manifested much abundance and now we want to give back in whatever way that means. We want to give back financially. We want to give back by volunteering. So that is the six of pentacles, generosity. The seven of pentacles is growing your own wealth. So being patient, being very methodical about things, and then waiting for things to develop. The eight of pentacles is creatively tending to your riches. So you are active in the production and the pursuit of what it is you're trying to manifest. The nine of pentacles is finally the enjoyment of all that you have created and the cycle continues and you just, you're, you're finally able to enjoy some of your riches. The 10 of pentacles is a pinnacle of success. So it's a cycle of completion, so many riches in abundance, and you're kind of sitting, you know, high on that hill, looking over at your beautiful, everything you've manifested. The page of pentacles is messages of good tidings. So something we have been longing for is just around the corner in the page of pentacles. The knight of pentacles is kind of stagnant energy. So stifling abundance, you know, where we are not meeting our potential. We're kind of just at a standstill. The queen of pentacles is confident in creation. And from all of her riches and abundance come her satisfaction. She's very happy with what she's created. And the king of pentacles is the master of deliberate abundance, mastery over his physical world, fertility, and his ability to create from within. And the last suit is the suit, the cups. And so this is also a feminine energy suit, um, and it represents our emotions. The ace of cups, divinely connected energy, deeply connected to spirit, to God, best connected with our soul and our spirit. So the ace of cups is a beautiful card, and it's our connection with the divine emotionally. The two of cups is a blessed union, masculine and feminine energy coming together both internally and externally and perfect balance. So the masculine and feminine energy within us um, is perfectly balanced. The three of cups is rejoicing in the celebration, coming together with our tribe and we're, we're fully tapped into our intuition and we're spending a lot of time with people who resonate and speak the same language. The Four of Cups is not recognizing your gifts. So we are convinced we have no gifts at all, not knowing our potential because we absolutely all have gifts. So the Four of Cups is like, you're, you're just, you're not seeing your potential at all. You think your cups are just empty. The Five of Cups is unconscious disregard. So it's cloaked in black. Yeah. And ignorance, anger, and just not seeing things correctly. The Six of Cups is fruitful pleasure and enjoyment. So we're really enjoying our gifts now. The Seven of Cups is difficulty choose, um, choosing our gifts. So we're confused. We know we have a gift and we've done this journey. And now we're like, what am I supposed to do? What's my dharma? What's my life purpose? The Seven of Cups represents not knowing what, what we're supposed to do after the journey or during it. The Eight of Cups is fulfilling the journey and following the stream of the unconscious. So we're like letting loose and letting God guide us where we're supposed to be. The nine of cups is fulfillment of desires and close to the spirit. 
we did the work to integrate our physical self with our spiritual self. The Ten of Cups represents success and gain and enjoyment, complete integration, male, female energy. We are just completely integrated. The Page of Cups is a messenger of faith and creativity, the ability to grow from the mud into greatness. So the story of the lotus is kind of like the Page of Cups and the ability to swim in the unconscious. So the Page of Cups represents our ability to really tap into that unconscious mind. The Knight of Cups is emotional quest. So we're going in the wrong direction again, trying to quiet our emotions so that we can see clearly our journey. The Queen of Cups is the connection to the unconscious, connected to our soul and complete integration again. And the King of the Cups is receptivity. No matter what's going on, he just stays steady. And so this is all of the symbolism of the tarot cards. And so now I want to talk a little bit about the spreads and how those are laid out. So the first thing we want to do when we sit down with our querent is we want to be grounded and we want to ask for guidance. And we want to understand the purpose of the spread and determine the number of cards in the layout. And we want to create the shape of the layout for the spread and deciding what each card's position means because that's really important in a spread to know what position the card is in. That's going to be the message that's trying to be communicated to us. I use the Celtic cross spread almost exclusively. It's just how I learned and it's, I find it really, really easy to uh, interpret. And I also do a three card spread, which represents like recent past, present, and near future. We're not fortune tellers here. We, we don't want to give off that impression that we are looking into the, you know, crystal ball and going to tell this person what they should do and what they shouldn't do. Tarot card readers, good ones, never tell the person what they should do or shouldn't do. This is a free will situation. We are simply spiritually guiding the person by interpreting the cards and just kind of, it's kind of a sense of confirmation. The person really knows where they're at and what the problem is. It might be deep within the unconscious mind, but as we go through the card spread and interpret, it becomes more clear for the person and they get a lot of confirmation. And that's really what they're looking for. And so we always prepare ourselves by blessing ourselves um, and blessing the person we're reading for with all good energy coming in, good intention, angel messengers. We want all positive, enlightened energy coming in. And so we always prepare ourselves first with, with that preparation. And that's super important to do that. As a new tarot card reader, I suggest that you go buy yourself a tarot deck that resonates with you. So not all decks resonate with each person. It's very individual. It's very intuitive. I did choose the Rider Waite deck and I still use it today. Seven, eight years later, I'm, I'm using the same deck. It's got all of my energy in it. You really do develop a relationship with your tarot deck. And just like my pendulum I use in healings, it's my coworker. And so I respect it in that way, just like I respect my tarot cards. We communicate, we work together with one another. 
I learned with the Rider Waite tarot deck. So I am very well schooled in all of the symbolism of that deck. But you totally don't have to. You can just buy one that resonates with you. And you have to get to know that your deck. So you have to spend time with your deck when you buy it. You have to bless it and always ask for good intention and positive energy to help your person or yourself, whatever, whoever you're reading for. And you sage them in between querents and clients, of course, to clear the energy of the last person. And you spend time getting to know each card intimately. So I suggest after you buy your tarot deck that you pull one card each day and really get to know what that card means to you. You know, intuitively what that card says to you. I mean, yes, it has a general meaning, but it's always there's an interpretation through the tarot card reader, the student, to what that card means to them. And so that's what I suggest once you get your tarot deck, pull a card each day, get to know, get to really understand what it's saying. And then you can start to add, you know, start to do, learn how to do your spreads. And the simple one is the three card spread, very simple, but still really profound. That's step one in learning how to read the tarot. So moving on to the Celtic cross spread, you can actually Google Celtic cross spreads, tarot spreads, and it will show you a diagram of what it looks like. I'm just going to go briefly over the positions and what they mean, but you can really find that online if you get lost. So card number one that you pull for the Celtic cross layout spread represents the present moment. It can refer to those getting a reading or the primary concerns on their mind at that moment. Card number two lays kind of across card number one, and this represents the current challenge affecting card number one. So it can indicate a block that keeps the situation from getting resolved or moving forward, or it may signify the cause of the challenge that the client is experiencing at that moment. So it's kind of the challenge. The number three card represents, it's below the one and two, and it represents the basis or foundation of the question. So this may be like a link to your subconscious mind or influences. It's information that this person is keeping quiet, um, maybe due to either they don't know or they might be embarrassed to say. So um, it represents the foundation of the reading. And number four is to the left of the one and two card. That represents the recent past that's relevant to the situation that's being inquired about. And this can also indicate a situation that has come to a conclusion in a way that the client may judge to be good or not so good. And the number five is on top of the one card and that represents the present. And this card may also signify what clients feel they're able to accomplish or are hoping to achieve. It's kind of like the conscious mind. Card number six is to the right. That represents the near future. And it's often an event or shift in the energy or of a situation. So that's what that card represents. Um, the number seven card is down at the bottom and that's gonna start the, the card layout. So starting at the bottom is number seven. And the number seven card is 
represents the one's power in the situation. So the, the person you're reading for, the querent, it's what they're doing in the situation, actively doing. And it's their own personal power. The number eight card goes on top of the seven card, like above it. And that represents the effects of other people. So I call this the counselor card. And it's kind of like how other people are advising you in this situation. It can also be your own counselor within you. So you get this nagging feeling that you should be doing something in this situation. That's your counselor talking to you. It's like your inner voice. That's the number eight card position. Nine goes up above number eight. And that's your hopes and fears card. This position indicates whether the client is having a strong belief that things will work out or won't work out. So it's the hopes and fears of the person. And then number 10 card goes above the number nine, and that represents the final outcome in the spread. That is a possibility of if the person keeps going in the same direction, that it will turn out a certain way. But they also have free will, so they could change it up. And they could say, you know what? In this spread, I see places and points where I could really change how I'm handling this, and that will totally change the number 10 outcome card. I hope that you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I love talking about the tarot. I love doing tarot card readings for myself, my clients, and for my family. I find them beautifully accurate and really, really interesting. And so at this time, I'd like to offer up and I do Zoom tarot card readings. You can just email me at sherry, S-H-E-E-R-I-E, at hamsaholistichealing.com. And I will get back to your email and we can set up a Zoom appointment to do a tarot card reading. I would love to offer that up to you. I just hope that you get yourself a tarot deck and really dive into the beautiful history and the gift of divine messaging. You know, it's really, really cool and it can be very helpful in healings. So again, I will be happy to do a Zoom tarot card reading. Sherry, S-H-E-E-R-I-E at hamsaholistichealing.com is my email. I hope you have a wonderful day. Namaste. Hello and welcome to Hamsa Holistic Healing and Ayurveda Podcast. I'm your host, Sherry, and it is my deepest desire to journey with you down the path to better health, mind, body, and spirit through the practice of mindfulness and spiritual awakening. Here in this sacred space, we will examine how the practice of higher consciousness and self-awareness can actually lead us to an optimal state of physical and spiritual health. We will talk about the various ways to increase our awareness and support one another along this beautiful journey. Thank you for being here and welcome.